Hi, everyone. I'm Chuck Saren, VP of Industry Marketing for MedTech and Life Sciences at Propel, and welcome to the Product Success Podcast, Quality and Medical Devices. I'm joined by Rachel Jang, a Senior Solution Consultant here at Propel. This podcast brings together thought leaders from the health and life sciences industry talking about compliance, quality, and product success in the medical devices. Before we dive in, you can find all episodes of this podcast under the resources tab at propelplm.com. Hey, hello, Cynthia. Thanks for joining us. I've been uh, I've been really looking forward to talking with you today about printer press quality and your vast experience. Um, I know I was very fortunate to be part of that discovery and uh, sales process uh, for printer press, um, and I've been really interested in your company, the technology, what you guys are doing around three D printing is really being kind of the the way of the future here, um, and 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 just the innovation throughout your company. Um, but maybe better you to tell more about yourself and about the company Printer Press. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more, please. Great. Well, my name is Cynthia Hitchcock. I've been in the medical device industry for 25 plus years. Um, joined Printer Press in December of last year. Printer Press is a 3D additive um, spinal implant um, business in the orthopedic space. And um, as you've said, 3D um, additive for medical devices is, you know, a new era. It's been here for, you know, uh, about 15 years, but moving into the space is, it's growing quite quickly and um, we had to grow just as fast with it. Great. Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, one of my first jobs was 3D modeling and SLA resin parts. And now just seeing, you know, titanium being used throughout the industry. Um, it's just incredible the materials and what you guys are doing. Um, a little bit more about printer press also is, you, you know, you're not only, you know, a contract manufacturer, but you're also um, a design center. You're, you're getting involved very early in the design process with the OEMs. And, and maybe you can expand that a little bit more about printer press and, and, and some of the things that you're doing. Yes, um, Printer Press's business structure is um, quite unique. So it's it's almost a we do it all from end to end. So we have a research and development design center, and um, we also have our an OEM pillar. We call them pillars because um, each pillar has their own individual standards and regulations that they have to comply to. So our, as under the R and D pillar. Um, we would be able to design and create our own products and didn't do a design transfer into our OEM pillar. And under the design center house, again, we could, our team could create products for a customer and it would, it could be a go or a no go. And that would then fall under our contract manufacturing pillars. Um, the pillars, again, like I said, they identify the very specific standards and regulations for that particular activity, whether it's contract manufacturing, building another company's product, or if it's the OEM where we would build and produce and distribute our own product. Um, having our design center provides that capability for not only our own um, developers, but you know, a startup company, uh, a doctor, a hospital, a university to be able to come in and say, hey, I." I'm, I have this on a napkin, you know, do you think uh, it can 
you, you guys can convert it to something. So it comes to those, those small levels as well as to the highest levels of you know, working directly with a university or a hospital and they say, we have this and we'd like it yesterday. So you know, how, how quickly can we get it to fruition? Yep, very much. So you actually make your own medical devices. One thing you just mentioned there, right? So you, I saw you had a 510k late last year uh, on a, a fusion, sort of a, a spine disc spacer. Is that, um, is that right? And, and how is that going? And are you going to be doing more products? Yes. So we did receive our 510k approval in October of 2020 for our inner body um, infusion um, spinal implants. And um, we are going to look, we're looking towards being able to start our full distribution by the end of this year. So that's just for that particular product family. Um, it has a, a lift, a T P lift and a P lift <laughs> um, for our Gaia product. And um, those are the things that we're going to, we're focusing on right now and, uh, you know, heading out to launch at, uh, the end of 2021, definitely January, 2022. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting business model with those, uh, what you call those three pillars, um, OEM, contract manufacturer, design center, and just managing all those quality documents and, you know, starting in, in different places for different customers. That's, that's definitely um, commendable. And, and, uh, and you got to have a great QMS system and, and processes in place to do that. Um, I, I do recall in, in some of the conversations that you've also worked with a lot of different quality systems, as well as many companies in the past. Um, you've even developed kind of some of your own solutions around like NPI and stuff, but maybe we can lean into a little bit about some of your visions um, of, you know, what you may call game-changing quality processes or some of the things you're looking looking at. Well, I think that, like, like you said, I have been involved in many different um, quality system platforms from you know years on back when it was very, very manual um, and still just putting in some minor code to you know connect one thing to another. You know, now with everything being able to get to the point of you know cloud storage and um, capability to gather all of that different data for reports to meet the requirements of trending, you know, we don't long, no longer have to focus on, you know, Excel spreadsheets and, you know, converting those to charts. Now the data is being collected as a life entity. And um, we can now just create a report and say, these are the things I, I need to see. I need to see, um, you know, failure bases on what particular um, standard, um, where, where I need to focus on. So that information being collected um, as a living entity is invaluable. Okay, great. Yeah, you see you're leveraging all that data and, and what you guys are, uh, you know, you're just at the early phase of, you know, putting in a new QMS, EQMS system here, right? So you're, you know, you're tackling things like non-conformances and kappas, and maybe you can extend on a little bit of, of that, of some of the things you're doing today and your, your quality processes. Yeah, let me just step back a, a quick second. So um, our executive team, CEO, C-levels, mm -hmm. what I call them, um, made a huge decision, which many companies, you know, um, 
take some time to make the decision of, you know, no, let's do it manual. Let's do it manual. Um, they knew, he knew that by being able to select uh, EQMS system immediately, the value that it would provide in regards to time versus human uh, error versus um, having to do a transition at a later time when there's much more data. Um, so having that executive level vision and support, it's, mm -hmm. it's key because what is always best is to work smart and not hard. And by having that as a, from, coming from the leader, your leader, my leader, <laughs> um, you know, it makes it happen that much smoother. Um, having an electronic platform allows everyone to be able to communicate within that electronic platform. So it's not just, oh, an email may have gotten missed or did you see that? So having that platform to be able to communicate as one entity um, allows for that continued contribution from the many versus the individuals. So um, where do I see utilizing this platform? I see it from the very beginning, from the sales portion where, you know, um, a sales uh, rep is going to identify a potential business. And then, you know, that's going to be either a go or a no-go. And then, you know, we get to get started on the product intent and what are the requirements? And those are still at the initial stages, but you still have to start collecting that information. We also need to do the one thing that a lot of, you know, salespeople and um, sales groups and, you know, manufacturing um, groups are like, well, can we just get this done? It's like, yeah, as soon as you get those contracts signed, because we have to come between agreements of, you know, whether it's that customer or even if it's an internal customer, like I said, from our R&D design center, um, there's still requirements that we need to document. So other than, you know, not having them, the internal customer sign a contract, um, they would still go through the same process um, to that development of new product introduction so that we can do a clean design transfer to manufacturing for full production. And having the Propel project module is something that I'm hoping to expand on. Um, we have launched Propel very, very quickly and it has been successful in the very short time that we've been able to launch it in. And again, that has been key as well. Uh, another huge plus that uh, we're moving swiftly into right now is, is the validation process. And, you know, Propel being our partner, um, you know, has already has that understanding for the need of the requirements under a med dev um, umbrella for validation. So not having to create those is so much time saved. And it's the smart way to do it that uh, a platform like yours actually creates and provides those validation documents versus the end user trying to create them. Um, so I was very impressed and, and that was definitely a star in regards to the selection process. Yeah, that's great input. I think we, we do hear that as well. I'm glad you're, you're seeing those benefits, but also being able to pull that upgrade when you want 
is also a, another major benefit on top of you know providing a, a few upgrades a year and giving you those validation docs. So I'm, I'm glad you're recognizing that and as our customers do too. Um, I think you also hit on a really important point was that, you know, sort of these cross-functional departments and how they're interacting, whether it's, you know, NPI, you've got salespeople saying, you know, let's, let's make anything that, you know, the customer wants, and, or it's the internal customer, you've got, you know, your very highly innovative R&D centers that are actually, you know, supplying those requirements to your manufacturer. I think that's, it's just interesting how you have those different vantage points. But maybe we could talk talk a little bit um, and, and take that thread through about just you know sort of integrating quality throughout the cross functional departments and how you know do you see that need to get people like you know regulatory RAQA involved earlier into the MPD process so that you can justify you know quickly what you can sell or what it's going to take to meet regulatory requirements for you know this global market versus another global market. But maybe we can talk a little bit about how that interaction and that integration is happening across those departments. So I'm glad that you brought that up because um, I have constructed the sales um, documentation contract review with the uh, VP of sales to intentionally um, plug in RAQA right at the very beginning so that I can identify um, what the impact will be, what the country requirements are going to be, what are we looking at? Um, you know, is how is this going to be able to be capable to run through the factory? Um, what are the things that are in advance from the customer to clearly identify um, what the roles and responsibilities for the input from the customer? Again, whether it's in, internal customer or external customer, um, and being able to collect that you know, at the front end, instead of just, you know, produce something. Um, when things like that happen, you have to end up trying to go back and remediate and reconcile. And then I become an accountant. <laughs> uh, I don't like math. <laughs> so yeah. those types of things uh, can be costly or they can be effective. And to be able to be on the front end of that process and be a true partner with the, the, the team that is bringing in that entity, that product, um, it makes things move so much smoother. Um, we have clear, I provide clear direction with roles and responsibilities of both the customer as well as our internal team for to meet all of the individual requirements to produce that product. Um, and there, there are definitely you know, regulations that have to be met from both ends. So documenting that clear roadmap is what I call it um, mm -hmm. in a quality plan to identify who is doing what and feeders back and forth so that there can be a clear output is an absolute necess necessity. Right. And then, um, you know, you mentioned a little bit about just visibility. So, you know, your users finding it, the ease of use of, of the, of looking at this, you talked about the data and, and looking at dashboards or looking at training records or looking at things to show, you know, their interaction with the, with the quality process. Um, maybe just a, a little bit of color on that about their, their sort of daily interactions. Okay. I'm going to give you a little bit of the of the ugly, I'll go backwards. Not uh, it's not good, bad, and ugly, but I'll go ugly first. Um, human, uh, as humans, 
change is not something that's an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. A change is not something that is received well. So every single time that um, something new comes, when it's like, I just learned how to do this on paper, all right, and I just learned how to do this with a drive, and now I'm going into this platform. So that's always going to be something that occurs with a platform because no one enjoys change, and that's a human factor. Um, it takes some time. It takes a, a bit of, you know, hand-holding, a, a little bit of showing them how easy it can be, um, but that's something that's always going to occur. That's the ugly. Um, the good part is that um, once you get just a few people that start to buy in and utilize it as a standard pro uh, tool, then it starts to ease the effect of change. Mm -hmm. And the use gets up there and having those training records pop up and knowing that, okay, I got an email, this is a notification, I have to do this training, um, is a lot easier than saying, I'm going to go and schedule you for this block of time. And therefore, you know, you have to get yourself out there. Um, it's, they start to see where the ease of the process begins. So that's the good part. Yeah, that's great. I think uh, you mentioned adoption, and we do hear that amongst uh, our customers quite a bit, where you, you know, you're getting in the quality side, you start bringing in product, you start bringing in regulatory, but we've seen that adoption rate, um, you know, really spike um, across companies where we're seeing adoptions rate of, you know, 80% or greater at some of our biggest customers with thousands of seats, or we've even had some customers uh, in the upper 90th percentile, um, you know, talking with uh, Diality whether, you know, leveraging it into a lot of other areas, um, you know, you're talking about marketing, legal, um, and expanding beyond uh, to some of those processes. So yeah, adoption rate is, is really important that everyone wants to use, that the tool is useful, that you can get these analytics, these dashboards across. So, so that's great. Um, and also, I think the point you mentioned earlier in the process, because you're creating that value, so you're all working together um, to make sure that your product is launched on time, it's you're doing the right products in the first place um, with the with the right intent and regulatory. So that that's awesome. Some really great points. Um, maybe to think about this, why are are some companies not able to do this today? You know, what what are some of the hindrances or challenges that companies face of of not being able to achieve these types of things? Um, you know, we we obviously can dive into you know some of the areas of having sort of one source of truth where all these groups are working together or it may be you know, the platform itself, but maybe some thoughts um, from you on that. So um, sometimes you'll, you'll get a, well, a smaller company and um, they're going to do and continue to do what they know, where their strength is. It's, it's working, if it's not broke, you know, why change it? And um, you know, it depends on, it's always gonna depend on the volume a business that it's it's going to have to require human interaction, and until that volume that they see that impact for them, you know that could be a, a point as to why they're choosing to stay in a manual state, um, without having the vision of knowing, you know, we can work smarter instead of harder. We can have less human errors. Um, you know, when it's collected into a controlled system. Um, 
that's always going to be another contributor as well. Um, what I always say is when a company chooses to wait longer, having to do the transition of data is going to be more expensive. It's going to be much more difficult to ensure that it transitioned correctly. So doing it at such an early stage, like um, my CEO chose to do, was mm -hmm. definitely invaluable to be able to co start collecting that information, putting it in a controlled environment, um, and not having to deal with, you know, something that someone lost, something that is no longer available or backed up on a, a system, and now it's really lost. So, you know, those types of things. Um, you have to really weigh the, the, the benefit over the risk. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And a lot of times you want to capture that early because you don't want to have to do it in hindsight later and try to say, oh, well, what did I do? What did I test to? What were my requirements? So yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a very valid point. I think another thing too is not just trying to meet compliance at its bare minimum, but instead just really trying to improve the overall product quality perpetually, you know, throughout that entire product lifecycle. I think that's um, another thing that, you know, I, I'd almost ask if you see that as well, where, you know, you're not just trying to be compliance in a box, but you have to grow with your process, be extensible and be proactive towards quality. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. You know, and that is, that's very key because um, in a manual world, um, you enter data into, you know, an Excel spreadsheet or you collect data, um, you know, in a variety of different minor um, databases and what have you. But if they don't speak to each other, there's input and there's output from all of these aspects, then, you know, how are you truly being able to measure the cause and effect of, you know, that that finding that nonconformance, that suppliers, you know, um, response and how that supplier is affecting, you know, our on-time delivery schedule for us versus, you know, their on-time delivery to us. So everything has an input, an execution, and an output to another process, um, all the way to the point where it's delivered to a hospital or it's delivered to the customer you know, it's not over at that point in time. I wish it was, but it's not, you know, uh, that, puts, that puts us into, you know, um, the post product and then, you know, continuing to manage whether or not there's um, concerns or complaints or, um, you know, MDRs, uh, MDVs, depending on the country, you know, there's all another, a whole other arena of requirements under that arena. Oh, yes. Yeah, very much. Um, I might ask, you know, directly, how is Propel really helping you to make this vision a reality? What, what are some of the things that you're experiencing now um, to help you get there quickly, which you mentioned, which is great. And then also we can kind of lean into also, how is that going to help with that sort of vision we've been talking about and making that a reality in the future? So the way that we utilize the Propel tool is that um, we have we have transferred all of our quality management system in there for each individual pillar. But in doing that transfer, um, we also built in the uh, reference documents. So, for example, when a uh, document is 
changed. Uh, we can simply select the document tab and it'll show us the tree, kind of like a bill of material for a document without having to intentionally build a, a separate bill of material for documents. It's already built into the process. It has a, a, a tab within the items master and it gives us a quasi where used. So we know that, okay, well, if I change this document, I have to look at how this affects all of the other documents um, instead of just being out there on an island, which turns out to be an extremely painful event. Um, you know, being in an island um, ends up requiring re a remediation action at one point or another. So something always belongs to another document at all times. You know, there's always a, a parent document and the children documents. And if you don't have those constructed correctly, you know, um, you, there could be valuable information that could be lost and in regards to that impact. So we've taken advantage of that, um, that capability that Propel has for us and it's paying off um, at extreme levels for us because we've, we've just launched in July. And um, we went through the entire process. We just went through um, uh, MDSAP internal audit. So we were able to produce all of those documents, you know, in a moment's time, as you know, um, or may know, you know, FDA does have a time limit and MDSAP now also has a time limit in response times. Mm -hmm. So that is extremely key and valuable in that process. Yeah, absolutely. The ease of use of finding documentation, the traceability you're alluding to, um, you know, structuring your DHF, your tech file, but also like that reusability element too, to know that I can reuse this, you know, this document, biocompatibility document or sterilization document here and there and everywhere and know where it impacts. Those are all very, very great points. Um, what about some of the future next steps? You talked a little bit about projects and MPI and, and you know, making sure you can work with sales and, and sort of kicking off these projects and, and getting it through MPI. Anything else that's sort of looking as a future next step? Absolutely, a very immediate future next step for us is that um, our VP of manufacturing has just made the selection for our MES system and Propel is going, the Propel team is going to be working with us to do that communication bridge, which you know is invaluable. Um, again, like I said, there's input there's execution and then there's output and we, you know having the propel team you know ready and open to work with it's going to be a brand new platform because uh you know the team has not done a 3d additive mes system so this will be something exciting for them as well that's very exciting and um i think we're very excited to work on other things in the future, you know, whether it's like your equipment calibration and maintenance or maybe complaints, UDI. I think these are some things that, you know, we've sort of touched on as hopefully part of that roadmap and definitely look forward to diving more and more into that in the future. Yes, um, you know, being able to know that Propel has a, a UDI linking capability, uh, IFU uh, link capability, I mean, those are things that are major pluses for us. Yeah, even touched on project product registration, even some just right. you know, other things looking maybe as you launch more and more products uh, have some great value to you as well. Exactly. Um, I think we're getting closer to the uh, top of the, the discussion, but maybe just to, to close out here, what advice do you have for some of these HLS companies 
um, to take and when considering their approach towards quality. I think we've touched on quite a few about you know, documenting earlier, getting your EQMS in earlier, working on adoption uh, cross-functionally because the value, you know, really spreads out. But any other thoughts on or any other advice as we close out? Um, the advice that I would give is, you know, when you're looking to select an EQMS system, there is many systems that say we have flexibility. But um, to actually know what that flexibility is, and I'll give you an example. Um, Propel is structured. Um, in their base um, platform, but obviously our terminology is going to be different than the initial terminology. And, and many systems that I go to and have reviewed, we're stuck with that terminology. However, Propel has that vast flexibility that if I need to call my documents list reference documents or associated documents, I can make that change. I don't need to go to a Propel team member and have them change that term, that verbiage for that particular tab for that module in the mm -hmm. manner that I'm going to use utilize it. And I don't have to change all of my documents to align to my system. So that is a huge, I mean, a benefit to a selection of a process because having to create a cross-reference checklist Oh, well, this means this. And, you know, well, this means that for us. Yep. That's just inefficient. Yep. So, yeah, absolutely able to easily configure, extend the product to your business processes as it continually changes. As, as, as it continues to grow and develop and mature, those mm -hmm. are the things that um, I think that companies um, need to continue to, to look at. And if they have those restrictions, then it's going to end up being so costly. You're going to end up getting caught into a web that you can't get out of. Okay. Well, we definitely look forward to continually growing with Printer Press and yourself, Cynthia, and working with you on, on all of these future endeavors. So I very much appreciate your time and your expertise today and look forward to talking again soon. We're excited to continue our relationship as well. Thanks, Chet. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe to be notified when a new episode is posted, and please feel free to share it with a colleague. If you have any questions you want answered during an upcoming episode, please send them to podcast at propelplm.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.